This is a Power 98.7 podcast. Now we're talking. Subscribe to Power 98.7 podcasts in iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts. There's more on power987.co.za. Here comes the money. Here we go. Money talks. Here comes the money. It is a Money Monday here on Power Lunch on Power 98.7, which means that we get to talk to you about all those financial matters. Here's something that we're going into this afternoon. We're talking here about how tax right, affects those that are freelancers or freelance contractors and independent contractors. Because what you find is that they play a significant portion of of their income to it and how do we make our money go further especially if you're on a freelance contract and more of an independent contract so joining us this afternoon is Gerald Monabira who's a certified financial planner and author no stranger to the Power Lunch family Gerald always a pleasure speaking to you welcome to Power Lunch morning morning wow (laughs) (laughs) it feels like a morning don't worry Gerald (laughs) good afternoon faith and all the powerful listeners we've also got uh, Sydney Fletcher as a tax consultant Sydney thank you so much for your time this afternoon welcome to Power Lunch Uh, thanks for having me faith and maybe we should start off with this uh, Gerald is to to define what freelance contractors are and independent contractors Um, a freelance a a freelancer is basically someone who is self-employed and does not have um, any direct employer or contract in terms of um, their income sources. Um, an independent contractor would be someone who, like a freelancer, you're self-employed, but you tend to move from one contract um, to another. So you do have some measure of consistency in your income um, whilst you're in contract. Um, first, as someone who basically doesn't know essentially when the next gig is going to come from. And in that case then, Sydney, um, the tax that is associated with those that are within these types of contract, how does tax affect them? Um, yeah, yeah Faith, um, the, the, the big question, firstly the big question would be asked, would have to be asked by the employer. In that situation, the employer is in the best position to determine whether the this person or, or this person that you're dealing with, paying your salary or paying your income, that is the best person to determine whether you are um, a, a, a freelance or an independent contractor. So if what, what you would like to happen is that they should exclude your income from the definition of remuneration. So that means that no tax will be deducted on a monthly basis. So there is certain tests that the employer can do to determine that on a monthly basis. If they determine that you are a freelancer, you are an independent contractor, then no tax would be deducted from you on a monthly basis. Mm. But then uh, how many of us actually know that, Gerald? Well, not many, but after listening to this show, many more. <laughs> I think um, it's important because um, when you do receive your money in hand, untaxed, um, and perhaps you are used to the life of being an employee, your natural mindset is to default to, no, I've already paid tax on this. I can use absolutely every cent I've got here 
and and that is not the case. If you have received your income as defined as a freelance or an independent contract, you need to be in charge of your own taxes. So I would first say to anyone listening who's an independent contractor or freelancer, you need to have a an accountant, bookkeeper, or a tax practitioner who's going to help you to manage your tax affairs because you don't have a fixed monthly salary. You need to register firstly as a provisional tax payer. So as a provisional taxpayer, you basically say um, to SARS, I think this year I'll make 200000 mm. And you get to pay that tax twice a year, but you need to put money aside to pay it based on your estimate. But you need to be also clear that your your estimate must be pretty accurate because if it's off the mark you're still going to have to pay 90% of what you estimated <laughs> so so you can actually re-register with SARS for a third provisional tax date so instead of paying twice do it three times after the first two you pretty much know where your year is going to end and you can make a more accurate estimate for the year end but main thing save for your tax liability the amount you receive from people who give you gigs is tax-free so they're not liable as it is not deemed income in their hands. So it's income in your hands. So you need to be ready for the tax. Best thing, save it in a savings account somewhere and keep it safe. Yeah, I mean, speaking about putting it in a savings account somewhere and keeping it safe, Sydney, a lot of the times um, these individuals are operating under themselves, right? So as them as sole proprietors or, you know, Faith or Owen being the person that is taxing, right? So it's not under a company, it's under what it, for under the personal name, so as it were. Then is it not, and, and how then does, and because it's, how does an, a person able to save up that extra money unless they have like a 14% VAT that is included there and they can't do that because they're a company, right? So it's, it's like you're losing money even from the little money that you're making. Is there any way of being able to level the playing field? Uh, what, what Gerald did is he highlighted the risk involved with getting that money perfectly. Yeah, that risk of getting that money and not it, it before it is subjected to tax is is a very relevant risk. Uh, that is where the principles of the provisional tax comes in. So you'll actually calculate what your taxable income will be over a six month period and provisionally pay pay uh, pay, pay tax income tax to SARS in in anticipation of what your tax liability will be over the year. So your first provisional tax payment or liability or calculation is due by the end of August and the next one by the end of February. Then you have got another t- uh, period before submitting your annual return to calculate if the tax that you should have paid is, is, is was, was sufficient and then make a top-up p- payment like Gerald alluded to or uh, it being correctly calculated and then you, your tax liability would have been paid off during the year instead of getting one big lump sum at the end of the year during your annual submission. Is there ever a time where the, the independent contractor or the freelancer can end up paying much more than what they were supposed to pay? Uh, yeah, it happens. it happens more often than not. And that is where, where people don't, or freelancers and independent contractors, um, don't know the type of tax deductions that are available to them. So there is certain, uh, if you are classified, if your employer cla- or your employer or deemed employer classifies you as an independent contractor, then you are um, 
entitled to claim certain expenses against that income that, that, that you receive during the year. And most of the time when people have got or freelancers and independent contractors have got large tax liabilities mm. is when they haven't effectively claimed certain expenses against the income that they, they, that they had for a particular time period. So, Gerald, then what kind of expenses can I claim against? So the, the travel is the first um, large expense you can probably claim because every time you go to a gig, you're not going to groove, you're going to earn money. So that is um, an expense you can claim. Um, your, all your equipment which is related to work, your cell phone bill, your internet, your, you know, um, even the, the space you're using in your house for, for business purposes, you can claim it as a home expense, um, which means that part of your electricity rates, rental costs, um, or your bond payments can come back to you as, as a deduction at the end of the year. Now, your medical tax credits are also there, but... Here's the catch. You need to keep supporting documents. If you want to do those travel claims, Mm. there's various products available on the market where you basically get a tracker on your car and it tracks every trip you make the whole year and then you then pick out all the trips which are business related and you can claim them back from SARS at AA rates. Um, For the office space, you estimate how much of your house you're using for office um, purposes and obviously you can claim that against your your electricity, your bond payment, um, but it's about documentation. All the supporting documents need to be there and you need to keep them for a minimum period of five years because if, if you do mess around and you don't have documents and you claim and SARS put you on a tax audit, your life gets very interesting because, um, you know, it works in that they trust you in terms of you keeping your documents. But if, you, if you're not keeping them accurately or you're forgetting some sources of income, you end up, you know, in the papers like some of the freelance celebrities who often overlook tax in terms of its importance. You know, speaking about overlooking tax in terms of its importance, Sydney, then, uh, like, for example, um, every time you pour petrol, would it be wise to keep those slips? I, I always advise my clients to, to keep everything because it's, it's better to be in a position to have something and not need it than to need it and not have it. So I advise you to keep everything. The, the biggest uh, rule, the biggest principle when it comes to the expenses that you can claim is, number one, there must be a close link between the expense and the income, a very close link. And number two, it must not be of a capital nature. So it mustn't have been a, a really big asset that you've acquired, but uh, as long as it's directly and you can directly link it to income, then you can claim it as a, as a deduction. But like Gerald said, if you don't have the, the documentary proof to mm-hmm. substantiate that claim of yours, SARS will reject your claim. Um, and, and especially with the, with, the, with the travel expenses, they are saying for, for people, uh, freelancers and independent contract contractors can only claim actual costs. So they, they can't go to the logbook and use the deemed method that is that and use the deemed method that is available to people that get a travel allowance, for instance. They must claim actual expenses, actual fuel costs, actual main costs, and not the deemed method as, as, as is available to people earning a, a salary. So um, most of those times, uh, the best people are your tax practitioners that knows the intricacies 
and are able to advise you on how to get the best, best benefit based on the income that you get. 0861987000, are you an independent contractor or you are on a freelance contract and would like to know how do you make your tax work for you? Uh, 0861987000, that is the number to dial. Alternatively, 0833037093 at Power FM 987 being the Twitter handle at Faith Mangope is where you can find us. And of course, the hashtag for the conversation is hashtag power lunch so Gerald if we have to get very practical right let's say that somebody has got um, these freelance contracts and sometimes they you work maybe once a week or once yeah let's let's do like a once a week where you work once a week and it totals to let's say about 10,000 rand a month right within that 10,000 or maybe let's take a 25,000 rand 25,000 rand a month and you're on this freelance contract if I were to make sure that the 25,000 rand a month does not turn out to be let's say 15,000 rand um, at the end of it all how do I do so practically let's work with 25,000 for the purpose look, of this exercise look let's say you're let's say you're earning 25,000 um, pay per month on your contract average for the whole year means you earn 300,000. 300,000, then you'd basically um, calculate your provisional tax. So you'd need to tell SARS, okay, I expect to earn 300,000 this year. And normally people would, uh, it's advised to pay 25% um, as, as, as a rate of uh, marginal tax. Obviously it might be less, it might be more, but normally you're advised to pay 25%, to put aside 25% of your 300,000. Okay, which means that in your year, you need to make sure you've got 75,000 potentially as your tax liability, which works out to 6,200 a month per month. Okay, on that 6,200, remember, you can then have those deduction, deductions, um, like Sid is talking about your fuel, <coughs> your, your, your transport kilometers, your office space, um, any business direct expenses, your cell phone bill, for calls which are business related, etc., and then obviously it means that at the end of the year you won't need to pay 6.25 per month. Probably you've got a few expenses there for like 2,000 a month, which comes off there, which means from your 75, which you had all provisionally declared to to SARS, mm-hmm. you might end up paying 50. So you end up paying less, but you'd rather err on the side of having more provision than your actual. So, you know, 25% as a rule of thumb is normally what most um, freelancers and self-employed people declare as a provisional tax rate. Do we do, do, do self-employed or, or freelancers or independent contractors get any form of rebates or like any form of, um, you know, money back? Sydney? Yeah, if you've overpaid on provisional tax, yes. So uh, the principle is if you, you get tax back you get tax back that you pay. So for me being an employee, I pay tax on a monthly basis, do a calculation at the end of the year. If it was overpaid, then I get tax back. Um, freelancers and independent contractors don't pay that tax on a monthly basis. So if they have overpaid provisional tax, and when you do your annual return, and that 25% that Gerald spoke about is, is in excess of what your actual liability is, then start to pay the balance between what you should have paid and what you have paid, start to pay the balance back to you. 
I'm just really thinking here because, you know, they always say that, Gerald, life is a little bit tougher for the freelancer or the independent contractor because they don't know where the next gig is going to come. So as to, so as it were, how then do they make their money go further? Look, I think as a freelancer, you can make your money go further by, by being meticulous. As Sid said, you know, <laughs> keep those records. There's, there's an amazing amount of deductions you can, you can attribute to your business expenses. Because if you are that sole proprietor, you are the business. So pretty much a lot of your life is um, deductible. But it's about record keeping. And therefore, you need to invest in having a good accountant, tax practitioner, or financial planning professional to guide you on this journey. It's a business expense to have this person there because they can save you thousands and thousands of rands, which can happen when you try and do it on your own. Mm. Um, and if you, if you keep your nose clean with tax um, and you get someone who's pretty good and understands what they're doing, um, they can assist you. Um, but be careful. Don't also all get that person who claims everything under the sun because it has the impact um, when you now apply for a bond, for example, at a bank of, of actually lowering your income to a point where, you know, they, you won't, they won't grant you a bond. So you need to strike a balance of honestly, honesty in terms of what you're actually claiming back and what you're actually earning. Um, if you overclaim and reduce your income to the point where it's helping you from a tax perspective, it won't help you when you want to buy a house or a car. Sure. I think that more than anything else, it's about how do we um, become more wiser with tax. Also, these medical aid certificates, do they actually help in lowering? Uh, do they count as an expense? Yeah. Uh, a couple of years ago, SARS changed from medical expenses to what they call medical tax credits. So, And this credit is calculated on the amount of people on a medical aid. So, yes, if you have a medical aid and you are one person, you are guaranteed of an, uh, a tax credit. It's not a deduction like in the old days. It's a tax credit. So your tax liability is created by SARS, and then your credit is deducted from that, and then you just pay the balance. So it helps uh, nowadays to have a medical aid and, and contribute. And the more members you have on the medical aid, the bigger your tax credit will be. We're going to have to leave it there. Thank you very much. Sydney Fletcher, tax consultant, Gerald Monabira. Uh, always a pleasure having you there as a certified financial planner and author. You've been listening to a Power 98.7 podcast. For more podcasts, visit power987.co.za or subscribe wherever you get your podcasts.